Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi, and a very good afternoon to you. Wonderful to be with you this Wednesday afternoon. Just gone 11 minutes past two on this Wednesday afternoon. And that means it's time for Judaism 101.9. And today we have the lineup for you of talking a little bit about the Shabbat coming up ahead and its context in the month. And then to get back to what we've been doing over the last few weeks, which is taking a look at some of the very important, all important Mishnayot, the Mishnas of Pirkei Avot, of the chapters of our fathers, the ethics of our fathers, giving us some axiomatic principles by which to live our lives, interpreting them, looking at them on a deeper level, and understanding a little bit more about this incredible wealth of knowledge that is contained in Pirkei Avot, the chapters or the ethics of our fathers. The weekend coming up is Shabbat Parshat Shlach or Shlach Lecha, um, of course, talking about the spies, ending off with a mitzvah of tzitzit, as has been discussed and will be discussed by many others on this radio station over the next few days leading up to Shabbat. But one of the things that's important about this Shabbos is that once a month before the advent of a new month, we have a special focus on the Shabbos that precedes the beginning of the new month, and that is that we call this Shabbat, Shabbat Mavarachim. It is the Shabbos of blessing. It is the Shabbos on which we bless the upcoming new month. And on that Shabbos, there are many, many different traditions, as well as some of the things that you will find in your Siddur and your liturgy that um, dictates what we should be doing and uh, the things that we should be involved in on this month. So let's explore, for the first part of today's um, discussion, let's explore what Shabbos Mavarchim is actually all about and what are the practicalities, what do we need to do. Well, before a, a new month starts, there is the idea of saying goodbye to the old month and bringing in the new. And the way that we generally say goodbye to an old month is usually the, <coughs> the day before the beginning of a new month, the day before Rosh Chodesh, is called Yom Kippur Katan. It is a day of atonement, a little atonement, many Many fast on this day, and there are special prayer services that are held, and um, it is called the Little Yom Kippur. And why? Because at the end of each month, we want to try and um, exonerate ourselves. We want to try and expunge um, any memory of anything that was negative or bad or that we may have done wrong or that we may need to atone for, we need to do tshuva for. In the month that passed, and therefore, with that um, outward um, or with the month going out, we now um, ask for forgiveness for those things, we get them struck from the record, and we can go into the new month kind of with a brand new slate, much like we do in the days of Slichot, um, preceding Rosh Hashanah, so that we go into the new year with a clean slate. When the uh, Rosh Chodesh comes in, then we are free of the burdens of the past, and we're only now turning to face the future with a brand new ray of hope and a brand new um, kind of a an outlook in order to enable us to um, do the best that we can do in this coming month. On the Shabbos preceding it, that is the date on which the Shabbat actually blesses the days of the week that follow it anyway. 
So if you think about it, you know, we always look at the parsha of the week and what happened on Shabbos, and that kind of gives us the opportunity to express or to think about in the week ahead all the things that uh, we're going to be doing in that week when it comes to the Shabbos that precedes Rosh Chodesh, which is going to be next week on Wednesday and Thursday, on that Shabbos, we have the opportunity to bless that month. Now, we understand that all the blessings for everything in this world come from the Almighty. They come from God himself. God is the one that blesses everything, as it is he who created everything, and it's he that is everything, and therefore it is ultimately God that blessed it. But he gave us a power, a certain godly power that each and every one of us possesses, and that is not only that we can perform his Torah and his mitzvot and do good things in this world, but we have the opportunity to bless the time as well. To bless the coming month, to give a bracha. And a bracha is not that you now can wave a magic wand and everything is going to be great and everything is going to be fine. We're not talking about that. We're talking about adding our voice and adding our hearts and souls to blessing, to adding a positive energy, which in itself can create and does draw down God's blessings. So God's blessings will adhere to our blessings, to our brachas, and we pronounce them, we say them on this coming Shabbat that we hope for a month that is filled with all the rich and wonderful blessings that God himself will um, ordain upon us and will shower down upon us during this month. We pray for them on the Shabbat preceding, on the Shabbos that precedes that Rosh Chodesh. We want the month, now it's going to be going into, we're leaving the month of Sivan, then next week and we're going into the month of Tammuz, that this month of Tammuz should be filled with blessing, that it should be filled with light, that it should be filled with all the good things that we hope and we pray for. And there are various different styles or modes or ways that those prayers are said. Some say a longer prayer, which you would have heard your chazan and choir perhaps doing in your shul, where there is a beautiful, beautiful prayer that is said, where we ask for a life that's filled with all the things that we want, all the things that we can dream about. Gesund and Parnosa and um, uh, sustenance and a livelihood and uh, uh, money and time to to enjoy things and uh, Torah and uh, all the good and positive things that we hope and we pray for. But uh, when we drill down to the very, very core of what it is that we're asking Hashem to do is to grant us a beautiful month that will be filled with everything positive and everything good for us and for for us, for the entire Jewish people, and in fact for the whole world during this coming month. So there are many who get together on the Shabbos Mavarachim, on the day of Shabbat Mavarachim, and they say Tehillim, we say Psalms. Psalms are said, and many try to complete the entire book of Psalms. Now that takes a while, and even if you're used to it and you say it regularly, it's a good hour and a half, two hours that it would take the uh, the average uh, trained eye to be able to say the entire book of Tehillim, the entire book of Psalms, which generally is said 
before we daven, before Shacharit on uh, Shabbat morning. Many people get up early. They do uh, that uh, before shul, uh, or before the formalities of shul, in other words, before the davening. Um, if you cannot accomplish it um, beforehand, it is still okay to do it um, or to split it up and say some of it a little bit later. Some have Tehillim groups where they get together and it is said as a group. So in other words, it's divided up in uh, various sectors and together you try and complete the uh, entire book. But be that as it may, the whole concept of saying the Tehillim is to add to the impetus of the blessings that we are endowing, not upon this Shabbos um, alone, but on the Shabbos as it is, blessing the entire month that uh, lies ahead. So a very, very special Shabbos coming up, and we'll be speaking a little bit more about Pirkei Avot, Chapter 3, in the next segment of the show. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi and welcome back. Yes, Shabbos Mavorchem coming up, but as we have been doing the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at a Mishnah, at something from Pirkei Avot, the ethics of our fathers or the chapters of our fathers. The first week we did something from chapter one, last week we did something from chapter two, and today let's focus our attention on a Mishnah, on a segment in chapter three. And uh, that is the chapter that is going to be studied on this coming Shabbat in the afternoon. And um, take a look, have a look out for Mishnah number four. Um, and the Mishnah reads as follows. It quotes Rabbi Shimon, and it says, Rabbi Shimon Omer, Rabbi Shimon said, Shloisha she'ochlu al shulchan echad. Three who ate or who have eaten al shulchan echad at one table. Veloi amra al and they have not said over it, words of Torah. It is as if they have eaten from the sacrifices to the dead. As it says, All those tables or all of their tables are filled literally with uh, vomit filth without the omnipresent, without God. But if three people ate at one table and they said on it, words of Torah, it is as if they have eaten from the table of God himself, of the Almighty. As it says, as it's stated, he said to me, and uh, this is a quote from the prophet Yecheskel. He said to me, this is the table. This is the table that is before the Lord. Now, Rabbi Shimon here is um, focusing our attention, drawing us to think about the concept, first and foremost, of eating at a table. There are many, many rules and regulations that halacha, the Jewish law, has for us when it comes to eating. And we know many of them. We're not going to go into all of those. For instance, um, number one, the foods that we eat. Number two, the fact that uh, we have to have separate meat and milk. Number three, that it's always got to be kosher. Number four, that we need to say blessings before and afterwards. All of those things up to this point are kind of taken um, taken as given. It's taken for granted that all of that is looked after. However, what it all does is to focus our attention on the fact that um, Jews are supposed to draw a very, very distinct 
a line of difference between ourselves and everybody else and every other creature that was created in the way we eat and the intention of why it is that we eat. Why do we eat? What is the purpose of eating? Is it for um, self-serving, um, uh, gluttonous ideals? Is it for pleasure? Is it uh, because we uh, fancy ourselves as culinary experts um, and uh, therefore uh, we want to have one-upmanship on our favorite recipes? Or is it for some kind of a higher purpose? And yes, that is obviously the reason that Torah gives for why it is that we eat. We do not only eat for all of the wonders and pleasures and uh, great things that we get out of um, eating food, but we eat in order to be able to, A, strengthen our bodies and keep them alive, enabling us to fulfill God's Torah and his mitzvot. But moreover, the reason why we eat is that the eating itself needs to be turned into a service of the Almighty. Everything that we do can be a service of the Almighty. Everything that we do is a service of God. So all of these rules and regulations, while sometimes when uh, people are uh, looking for issues with uh, Judaism and uh, the laws, for instance, and the rules and regulations surrounding kashrut, um, eating, drinking, and so on, very, very often people will uh, think or feel that, you know, what is the real difference? If you're going to take a piece of kosher meat, a piece of non-kosher meat, you're going to put it under the microscope. You're going to send it to the laboratory. You're going to have it checked out um, to see the difference scientifically, factually. There's going to be very little difference. So what is the whole purpose? Why do we go to such lengths in order to do all of this? Well, there are many, many reasons, but not the least of which is the fact that eating is in itself meant to be a service of the Almighty. Jews serve God in many, many different ways. <clears throat> the ultimate way that Torah wants us to serve Hashem is to serve God with everything that we do. Everything needs to be a service of God. If you cannot make something into a service of God, then it means that it is wrong for you. You can't do that. that. Those are the things that we're forbidden to do. They can never be turned into a service of the Almighty. But everything that is, in inverted commas, kosher for, in terms of behavior, in terms of food and so on, all of those things can be and need to be made into services of the Almighty. We then move forward a little bit and think about the concept of a shulchan. A shulchan is a table. We all know that. We learned that probably in grade one Hebrew, shulchan is a table. What does it mean that we eat at a table? Now, Jews predominantly are meant to halachically eat at a table. The idea of standing up, eating, wandering around, eating in, uh, in the street and so on is regarded as infradig for a Jew. We're supposed to take our food and eating quite seriously. Yes, a lot of people do take it seriously, and we often joke about the fact that uh, Yom Tov, Shabbos, and so on, it's all about the food, it's all about the eating. However, the concept of eating at a table brings us to um, the whole setup that there was, that there used to be in the temples, in the Bote Migdash. The temples also had a table of sorts, and the table of sorts was an altar. And in fact, in modern times, in days when unfortunately we no longer have a temple, where the temples 
um, were destroyed, where the temple lies in ruins. We need to try and uh, engage with the concepts that um, the temple had within it, the light of the menorah, the uh, concepts of the miracles that happened there, the concepts of the korbanot, the sacrifices that were brought there, and how each one is represented perhaps by a prayer service um, and so on that we do on a regular basis, on a daily basis. When it comes to our eating, well, the table gives us a clue as to what we're talking about. We're talking about our table being an altar. An altar. Now, what was the altar used for? We often think about the concept of an altar as being just a place where a sacrifice was brought. And the idea of a sacrifice is that the sacrifice um, in English means that I'm taking something, I'm actually destroying it or giving it away. It goes out of my domain and it goes into God's domain, so to speak. And um, therefore, I've given God a gift. It's gone from me. It's gone to him and so on. But the Hebrew word korban means... Not a sacrifice, but really an item of kiruv, an item of uh, the, from the Hebrew word lekarev, which means it brings us closer. It's a link. It's a uh, channel through which we link to God, and it stays there. It remains there. And so the idea of the altar was it was the place that facilitated our coming closer to the Almighty. And we came closer to the Almighty in many, many different ways. Sometimes it was with the gifts that we brought. Some of the sacrifices were gifts. Sometimes it was through the liturgical kind of offerings that had to be brought for the Yomim Tovim and so on. Sometimes it was through a uh, sacrifice that had to be brought if there was something that we needed to atone for, that we needed to apologize for. And in a sense... We need to try and think perhaps of all of these things when it comes to our shulchan, our table at which we sit and at which we eat. It is reminiscent of the altar in the temple. It is a, uh, a symbol of the altar in the temple. And it therefore needs to be a place where we can safely say that we're utilizing this space to A, become a little closer to God, B, to uh, be able to celebrate all of the significant times and dates within the Jewish calendar and see we need to use it as a place of rectifying, of fixing, and of uh, atoning, and of uh, bringing to the fore all sorts of things that we could only have done on the altar in the temple in times gone by. And therefore, when we think about and we talk about the concept of a table, of a shulchan, in Judaism, this is what we're thinking about. We need to turn our tables, literally, into places that are powerful, that are Jewish, that are uh, fundamentally different from any other type of place of eating. I remember when I was growing up, and I'm sure that uh, many of you as well, and maybe even today, not so sure how uh, children refer to this, but there was a time when everybody used to talk about Grazing, we're going for a graze. Um, have you grazed yet? Uh, we're going to have a graze. Oh, that was a good graze people used to talk about. And if we think about it, what are we really saying? Well, <laughs> grazing is something that is obviously only used for animals. Is that really what uh, we as Jews are supposed to lower the, our standards to? That all we're doing is we're grazing, we're freshing, we're stuffing our faces, we're doing all that sort of stuff. So our sages warn against that. The concept of Jewish eating is that it needs to be 
something of Kedusha. It's something of holiness. Now, this is not only on a Friday night and a Shabbat or a Yom Tov. This is any meal that you sit down to. So we sanctify everything by saying a blessing before and a blessing afterwards. We sanctify it further by making sure that all the food is 100% kosher and properly prepared. We sanctify it by, if you're a male, eating with a yarmulke on and so on. We sanctify it with all of those things. But there's a sanctity to the meal itself. That um, on top of all of that, Rabbi Shimon tells us in this Mishnah, we need to add words of Torah. We need to add words of Torah. There needs to be words of Torah that are said at that table. And we're talking about here, not just on Shabbos, we're talking about here breakfast, lunch, and supper on a regular Wednesday uh, afternoon or evening. Any time that we're sitting down to a meal, there should be some words of Torah. And those words of Torah are not just Although you can say, well, by saying the Birkat Amazon, the benching, we say words of Torah that we quote there, and so on, we quote words of Torah, but we're supposed to have a vort, an idea, a thought that is conveyed, share something. This obviously now works um, in a modern sense in that um, meal times have sometimes become um, very silent times in a, in, in a modern home where everybody's busy on their cell phones, where everybody's busy answering their WhatsApps and their emails and so on. And it becomes a little bit of a um, an exclusive time where uh, you can kind of go into your own shell and your own bubble and focus just on um, the uh, the item that's in your hand or in front of you. No, there's a concept of engaging with other people. It's a very, very healthy environment of interaction that should be taking place. Now, Rabbi Shimon Dafka points out that this is for Shlosha She'ochlu, for when three people eat together. Why does he pick on the number three? And by the way, this is possibly one of the reasons why um, we say when three people have eaten together that there is something called a mazuman. Mazuman means that they were invited, invited guests. What does it mean? A person may sit down to a meal by himself alone, and that would be one person eating. Sometimes, you know, you're walking out of the office and you say to somebody, join me for a snack. Um, it's kind of impromptu. If three people get together, if there is an invitation, three people getting together means this was organized. Why do Jews organize to eat lunch together? Why do Jews organize to eat dinner together? Why do Jews organize even to eat breakfast or brunch together? Is because there is a holy divine purpose for which they are actually constituting this meal. The meal is being set up. Although they may think that it's only about getting together to have, as we said before, a good grace, what we're really talking about is getting together to do something of Kedusha, to do something holy, to bring some credit to God, to bring some credit and thanks to Hashem for giving us the food in the first place, but at the same time to bring some strength to each other and to bring those properties of what an altar is actually all about, um, of getting close to the Almighty, of atoning and of uh, giving God his uh, rightful gifts in the right times, all of this is what that shulchan, what that table is uh, meant to represent. When Jews get together, when three of them get together, we need to make sure that there are divrei Torah, that we say words of Torah, that we discuss things of holiness. It is not only the sort of the cherry on the top, but it is the essence of why it was that we got together. And then we can justify the fact that we are actually having 
a good meal, that we're actually enjoying the food, the repast that we are sharing together. So he says, if three people have eaten together and they have not said words of Torah, it is as if they have eaten from the offerings to the dead. The offerings to the dead or dead offerings is because, you know, physically, physically we are um, here on a Temporary basis, things are time-bound. Um, when we talk about dying, death, and so on, it conjures up all sorts of negative things. But I think that it's more in the sense here of it being very limited. Do you want to uh, adhere to things that are limited, or do you want to go for the unlimited? Do you want to stay in the realm of the physical, the material, and therefore something that is dead in a sense, or do we want to really subscribe to life? I think it needs to be the latter, and this is what Rabbi Shimon tells us. We'll be back with you right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi, and welcome back. We're talking about the Mishnah in Pirkei Avot, in chapters of our fathers, ethics of our fathers, Mishnah 4 in the third chapter, where Rabbi Shimon tells us that the three people ate at a table and they didn't say words of Torah. It is as though they ate from the offerings of the dead. And he brings a quote then from Isaiah 28 verse 8, which says, Ki kol molu ki It means that all your tables, or all of their tables, are filled with, literally, it's a horrible expression, vomit, filth, without God, without the omnipresent. What does it mean? Well, if we think about the idea of kind of, uh, and it's a bit gross, but the sort of the bodily waste products, if we think about those things, it is uh, stuff that has been churned up. It hasn't really added to your um, uh, to your life force, uh, to your um, spiritual being, and it has been ejected from the body. If we think about that concept in terms of uh, godliness, well, when you're not adding life, you're actually stagnating life or you're taking it away. And the idea of food is that it's meant to add life and it's meant to add to our um, physical and spiritual well-being. If it is devoid or if we're in denial about the fact that it brings us any kind of spiritual um, advantages or any physical advantages so that we can be spiritually more active, well, in a way, we are not only cutting it off, but we're churning it out um, as though it is just discarded uh, the dregs and the uh, uh, the waste products of um, of our eating and of our beings, and therefore it has a really, really negative connotation. We have the ability when it comes to things like food to take them and to really, really advance them um, from being – Things that are just simply physical, material um, stuffs, and we can take them and we can transform them. We can inject into them a life force and a spiritual, a spirituality, a holiness that could not only add to ourselves, but could actually add to the spiritual well-being of others as well. And it is all done in the ways that we mentioned before, by saying the correct blessings, by making sure that it is kosher and so on. That's all the kind of pre- preparation for it. But the way that it's actually ingested, the way that it's actually eaten, and when there are words of Torah that surround it, and when we're, there is a recognition at the table of the fact that this is all provided by the Almighty, who is everything, 
Well, perhaps that is why this word makom is actually used to describe God. Makom meaning literally the place. God is the place. But it's not just that God is the place. It's an understanding of the fact that God is everywhere, that God is everything. No matter what place you would call the place, God is there. It is... um God's being um, in and around and within and without every single item in the entire universe, in the whole world, and how much more so in the things that we are permitted to eat and the things with which we want to sustain our bodies and we want to make sure that um, we sustain our souls. We sustain our souls as well along the way. So, when three people sit down together, words of Torah, absolutely necessary. It is a way that we transform everything into a real shulchan, into a real altar, a a real place that uh, God's presence can be filled. Be back with you right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. There's another beautiful uh, side table kind of uh, thing for this particular Mishnah where we're talking about our tables being that shulchan, being that table, that altar, um, is that the table itself and the um, beautiful things around the table, and particularly, I guess, when it comes to Shabbat and Yom Tov, um, special times, need to be prolonged. We need to make sure that we spend meaningful time there and that we bring guests there. It's the opportunity to encourage people in their Torah learning. We need to understand that this is um, taught to us from way back in the times of Abraham, Avram Avinu, who taught the concepts of hospitality, of the fact that when you open your home and you have a table at which people feel welcome, whether they are uh, friends and guests and family, or whether they are real down-and-outers and people who have nowhere else to go and people who really could do with a square meal, um, all of that enables Gemilas Chasodim, it enables the idea of um, being able to do good for other people. That in itself brings Torah to the table. But it's an opportunity to teach people, like Avraham Avinu did, like Abraham, our forefather, did, that he brought people in, and with each thing that he offered them and each thing that he gave them, he was able to encourage them and teach them of the fact that all of this came from God, that it's not me that you need to thank for inviting you or presenting you with this glorious and wonderful meal, but in fact... It is the Almighty, it's God himself, who enables, enables us all to be able to eat, to have food on our table, and to do all of these wonderful things. And therefore, the idea of um, lengthening our tables, making them a little bit bigger, making them a little bit more um, spiritually um, in tune and uh, and correct and proper, and making sure that these words of Torah said said there, has this kind of spin-off and this kind of effect as well. It is an opportunity to encourage people. I think I'm right in saying that the majority of people who have uh, found their way closer to Judaism have uh, will always mention uh, the idea of a Shabbat or a Yom Tov table that is a catalyst. It is something that is so positive. It bring, provides such a great energy and such a great source of, of comfort and homeliness and togetherness and community life um, that uh, the Shabbat or the Yom Tov table, the table per se, is a place where real holiness can dwell. It can be shared and it can enable others uh, to be encouraged by it and to find their way back 
into the folds and into the warm embrace of God and of Judaism. And so therefore he concludes, Rabbi Shimon concludes the Mishnah by saying, But when three people have eaten, and it's obviously three or more at one table, and they did say words of Torah, That is really like you've eaten from the table of the Almighty. You've been at God's table. You've eaten in God's presence. You have been um, been in God's embrace and you've been able to bring him into your realm. And then it says, quoting from Yechezkel 41 verse 22, it says, Then he uh, said to me, this is the table that is before God. Hopefully we can turn our table, turn the tables and we can make these tables into tables of the Almighty, tables of God, rather than tables that literally are uh, either war zones or they lead nowhere or uh, they just don't feature at all. We need to get ourselves back to the table um, in this beautiful way. I want to wish you a great rest of the week, a great Shabbat up ahead. Remember the Shabbos Mavarchim, remember the blessing of the new month of Tammuz that is coming up next week, but we'll speak about that next time on Judaism 101.9.